0: This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference when all has been heard in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Before we open this session today, I do want to let you know that if you are here specifically because you want to know more about yoga and tai chi the soft internal arts forgive us because the the we've done our best to consolidate to fit everything into these hour sessions what we have had to do is we're going to bump the session on yoga until tomorrow morning and we're going to put those two together which will deal with yoga and uh, the spiritual formation connection, okay? And the the spiritual formation, we're not going to go into a huge amount of detail because we do a lot of that with the Omega Emerging, but we are going to show what, how the Eastern mysticism has a role in that, why it's there. And then Sabbath, that one will be the, the one you won't want to miss because that's the one where we're going to talk about what the ultimate goal is of all these Eastern arts and what God's ultimate goal is, and how it's achieved. Now, I had a question I want to, we're not going to do a whole question and answer, but I did have a question asked a few minutes ago, and I have a lot of people that ask this, especially Christians. So before we start back on this, I want to be able to answer this question in the best way I know how. We have a lot of people that write to us and call to us, and they may be Christian or they may not be. They may just be looking for uh, an answer. And they'll say, I'm training in art, and we don't do any bowing, we don't take our shoes off, we don't have any chi, we don't have any of that spiritual. It's just strictly self-defense. What's wrong with learning self-defense? And I have to tell you, and I'm going to be as honest as I possibly can, I trained in it and I taught it for almost 25 years. And I can remember one time I asked my instructor, it was right before I made black belt in the first system in Kung Fu, black sash. And I asked my instructor, I said, this guy's been here for three and a half years and he's not made any rank yet. He's here every week, he works hard, he's not been promoted. This guy's been here for eight months and you're getting ready to move him up to a high rank class, which is like a green belt, where you learn more about the internal things. I said, why? What makes the difference? How come this man is, is like struggling and he's still not getting anywhere, and this man, it seems like he's being brushed right in the door? And I'll never forget what the Grand Master told me. He said, "Eric, he said it's not about technique. He said anybody can be taught a technique. He said technique will never save your life on the street. It's about spirit. This man does not have a martial spirit. That man walked in the door with one." Maybe his dad was abusive, maybe he just was rough, maybe he had three brothers that beat up on him. Maybe he was raised on the wrong side of the tracks. He walked in already having the fighting spirit. This guy was raised in a home where he had a sister and his mom and dad were Christian and it was it was hard to change that spirit. That was from a Christian A man that professed faith in Christ. He told me, he said, it's spirit that wins a fight, not technique. Now, I can give you personal hands-on experience with that. We would hold women's self-defense classes, okay? Typically, if you hold a women's self-defense class, it's like a, a weekend seminar. You know, the ladies come in for four hours or two hours, and you teach them some basic techniques. It'll never work. It'll never work. And uh, just to let you know, I have a quote on our website from one of the Gracie brothers, one of the uh, instructors, original founders. And you know what he said? The Gracies have won all the UFC. They are, I mean, they've won all of the UFC stuff. They're like, you know, looked at as being the roughest, toughest, meanest, you know, hands on martial art out there. And he said something that was, it startled me that he would admit this. He said, you can't teach a woman how to defend herself against a full-grown man in a one-hour, two-hour, four-hour session. He said, if she weighs 140 pounds and he weighs 185 pounds and he's not on drugs, but he wants to hurt her, he's going to hurt her. And there's no four-hour class that's going to change that and I know that for a fact. Now, that being said, all the martial arts masters said the only way to win in a real combative situation is you have to meet aggression with greater aggression. Hands down. Every instructor I ever trained under, every master that I ever read, they said hands down. You've got to know how to fight. And you've got to have it in your heart to fight. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If a woman was in a situation or a child was in a situation and God knew that they needed to know how to fight, God would send that and provide that in that instant. Okay? But I can also tell you something else. If you just look at it from a physical standpoint. The average martial arts class in America is fifty to eighty dollars per month. Two classes per week, average class is two hours per class. Four hours per week, let's say sixty dollars a month on average. Four classes per week, two hours each, or two classes per week two hours each eighty dollars sixty dollars a month you can go down to walmart and for twenty five dollars you can buy a can of pepper spray there's no training there's no occult attachment and it's ninety nine point nine percent effective there's no martial arts training that can guarantee you ninety nine percent effectiveness i I, am i'm telling you the honest truth okay and y'all have no idea because when I was in the martial arts it was like you know you'd fight you'd kill somebody before you would lose you have to have that spirit there has to be something inside of the heart that that is changed to make a person be that way and I saw the students that I taught and the other instructors that I worked with I saw students change within three to five years And back then I thought it was great. And I look back now and I think, God, forgive me for what I did. Their character changed. They became hard and cold and proud. Do you know the one sin above every other that God says he's got to get rid of is pride? And that's the number one sin that comes with martial arts or any of that type of training? Okay. Enough said on that. You're welcome. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your promises which cannot fail, Father. Abba, Jehovah, you have made a promise to us in your word in Psalm 34, verse 7 and 8. You swore to us that the angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear thee and delivers them, for we trust in thee. And Father, if it be your will in any circumstance that we yield our lives, we pray that it be to thy glory, not in fear and in shaking, but in the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, I ask that you'll be with all of us. Send your angels to bind and cast out every evil influence that seeks access or interference with your work in our lives. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now obviously I'm going to have to go quicker. (laughs) So let's let's see what the enemy is doing. People will tell me the martial arts are just physical, it's just about self-defense. Let's see what they say. When an old man is able to defeat many attackers, how can it be due to his strength? Have you ever noticed that? You don't see grandmasters that are 28, 30 years old. A grandmaster normally is 45, 55, 65, 75, 85, 105, 105. One of, the, one of the most amazing things I ever saw was a, a grandmaster named Moriai Ueshiba. He was the founder of the Aikido system. That's what Stephen Seagal does, if you're not familiar. Um, he was approximately 84 years old. And real footage, film footage, it was not mock, it was not doctored. This was real-life film footage. They bring him in on a cot... You know, his disciples, these black belts, bring him in on a cot. He's on his knees because he can't walk really well. He's old. And they bring him in, and this is in front of all these magistrates and all these high-level Japanese government officials. Because they've heard about this man. Some of them are like us. They're you know grown in this modern age and they're like, I want to hear about this, you know, great martial artist, this grand master. And they bring him in on this little cot and they set the cot down in the floor and then they all step back. And then they bring in, I don't remember, 15, 18 black belts. Some of them are first dawn, some of them are third or fourth degree, sixth degree. And they bring these black belts in and some of them are holding bokens, which is a wooden sword. Some of them have a Joe staff or a bow staff or some type of a wooden weapon, not live blades. And they tell them, he tells them, one at a time, he'll point and let them attack. And they know that if they don't give it their all to really try to hurt him, he's going to hurt them when they get back to the training hall. I mean, do you understand If you're a black belt already, it's not like, oh, I don't want to hit my instructor. You know you're probably not going to be able to. And if you don't try, he's not going to promote you because you didn't try your very best. So these men begin coming one at a time, attacking him with these weapons, with their bare hands. And he's on his knees and he's throwing them and deflecting the blows. And then two begin going and three and four at a time and five at a time. And he starts just whirling, throwing these people all over the room. They can't touch him. And all of a sudden, you see him stand up. And he's moving as if he's floating. I mean, he's on the floor, but you're like, you couldn't walk into the room. How are you moving this way now? And he throws these people as though they're rag dolls. And finally, he gets to a point, and he was known for this, where he would enter what they called the zone, or motion, no-mindedness. And he begins lifting his hand and throwing people without touching them, backwards. Not faked, not stunts done with tell. He'd raise his hand like what you'd see in Star Wars, and a man would be flipped backwards, or thrown backwards onto the floor. Ueshiba was known for being able to do that. The grandmaster, the last man that I trained under, even at the level that I was at, at a a fifth degree, a fifth dawn, and I I could, I shouldn't say I, the devil in me could give me gifts so that I could use this chi energy to plant myself and be immovable. And I would lay down on the floor and I would tell two men like this gentleman sized right here, I would tell two men to come over and grab my hand and pull me out of the floor. And I would lay there on my back and they could not move me. You can't, if you're laying on your back, you have nothing to grip the floor with. But they couldn't move me. And then the guy that was teaching me, he would come in and he would say, I want you to root, send your energy down into the ground. So I would send my energy down into the ground and he would raise his hand up and I would feel a pressure on my, on my shoulder, and it would just shove me like I was nothing. And I couldn't stop it. I would do everything I could to stop it. I couldn't stop it. And I watched him one time come into the room, and there were two of the black belts that were there that I had trained. And these guys were fighters. They could do some really good stuff. One of them was about 210, 215. The other one was about 185. And the guy that was my instructor, he told them, he said, go get a staff. So they brought a staff, about a six-foot-tall staff. And he told them, he said, I want you to take hold of that staff. We still have some chairs up front, ladies, if you need it up here. Everybody's scared to death to sit over there. Y'all must be doing something. But they went and they got this staff, and he told them, he said, I want you to hold that staff with both of your hands, and he said, I'm going to hold the other hand of that staff with my thumb and my pointer finger. And he held it like this. And uh, my instructor weighed about 235, 240, and he did this. He stood on one leg, and he held that other end of that staff between his thumb and his pointer finger. There on the other side, both feet planted both hands on the staff and he said push me over and they tried for five minutes to get him to budge and he's on one leg and they could not get him to budge and finally he just looked at me and he smiled and he went and he shoved them both right off their feet and I, I was like wow that, I mean, that's what I want to be able to do and they were like wow that's what we want to be able to do well that's how you get new students you get black belts and they go, man, the guy I'm training under now can't do that. I'm coming to this man. Listen to what he said. When an old man is able to defeat many attackers, how can it be due to his strength? You can't. Gichen Funakushi, the founder of modern-day karate, said, any man will be able, after sufficient practice, to accomplish remarkable feats of strength, but he may only go so far and no farther. There is a limit to human physical strength that no one can exceed. That was a grand master. That's the purpose of having a black belt. Whenever you go to a school, if there's a master there, they will tell you, when you bring your son or your daughter or if you come to train, when you make black belt, black belt just means one thing. You've mastered the basics. If you come afterward and you say, okay, what's next? I want to learn more. And they say, what do you want? I want to be a master. I want to be a sixth dawn. And they'll say, well, you've got to start training in a different kind of training than what you've been doing so far. And that's going to take a few years. I remember when I went to my instructor and he said, what do you want? I said, I want what you have. I want to be able to do what you can do. He was like, that's going to take a while. And he began training myself and one of the other men for discipleship trainings, what they called it. And we did, it was all about chi. We learned how to change the temperature of our body through thinking. It's really self-hypnosis, which is demonic, but... It was all based on that. You know, how do you become immovable? How do you break things with your hands? How do you do these different techniques? How do you go past the physical? Masoyama, he was one of the known as one of the most deadly grandmasters in the world. He killed full-grown bulls with his bare hands. He would literally chop their horns off as they would try to attack him. And then after it had lost its horns, when it came in for the last charge, he would drop down and he would deliver one blow to its heart and the bull would drop dead. A man's hand. They called him, and this is blasphemous, but his nickname was the God hand because what he could do with his hands. Listen to what he says. Always more vital to karate than techniques or strength, is the spiritual element that lets you move and act with complete freedom. Spiritual development is paramount, Gichin Funakushi said. Technical skills are merely the means to the end. What they did was they train you in physical activities through black belt so that you will exhaust every physical ability you have and you'll know there has to be something else. Do you understand? And unfortunately, the devil's got us as Christians doing the same thing. I mean, how many people walk away from Christianity and walk away from Christ because they're like, man, I've tried all my life to get victory over this sin, and I can't do it. We never could do it without him. John Stevens, a seventh dawn in Aikido, said, "...martial ways are spiritual disciplines to be practiced for the sake of enlightenment." Enlightenment is what the devil told Eve. So that you'll know who you are. You'll be like gods. Let me ask you a question. When Adam was made, and he was made as the son of God... How much more like God can you be than being the son of God? They were already as like God as you can be. And Satan was like, no, God didn't really tell you the truth about that. There's some things he's holding back from you. And if you'll yield, I can show you how to achieve that. Masoyama went on to say, The man who wants to walk the way or the path of karate cannot afford to neglect Zen and spiritual training. What is Zen? Chan Buddhism, a religious sect derived from the Sanskrit or Hindu dhyana, meaning a process of meditation used to achieve an awakening to the Buddha nature. This is a counterfeit of righteousness by faith. God's Word says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises we might be made partakers of the divine nature. Jesus said, the miracles you've seen me do I'm going to my Father. If you'll believe me, you'll not only do these same miracles, you'll do greater than these. Do you know what Ellen White said? I used to think, Lord, what are we waiting for? Why do I not see evil spirits cast out and the sick healed and the dead raised? Why are we not seeing that? And Ellen White said, because the lack of consecration and faith. She said our greatest sin as Seventh-day Adventist Christians is we don't believe God's Word. And do you know why? Because the devil's feeding us all this other junk. I can't go and watch some Hollywood movie and then open my Bible and expect to believe it. The true Budo aspirant devotes himself to a system of physical Mental and spiritual discipline through which he attempts to elevate himself. That's, that's Lucifer's words I will ascend, I will be like the Most High, I will set my throne. They attempt to elevate themselves in search of perfection. You think martial arts and Eastern mysticism, and this includes yoga and Tai Chi, they all say the same thing. It's a search for perfection. you know what God says? You want to be perfect? It's easy. Believe my promise. Where did he promise that? Jesus said in the Gospels, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now this is the trick. On Satan's team, you'll get to a point where you'll say, I'm there. I've achieved it. I've got rank to prove it. I'm there. On Christ's side, you know what we'll do? The more perfect we become, the less perfect we'll feel. Praise God. And we'll be like, I'm nothing. <laughs> Praise God. That's, that's, that's the gospel. That's the character of our Redeemer. The more powerful you become, the less you see yourself as capable of doing. And God works miracles through us. Martial arts are legendary for the seemingly mystical powers they teach. You will learn what forces warriors really command. And more importantly, you'll learn how to develop them yourself. That was written by one of our um, US Army advisors, Forrest Morgan, and he's also a martial artist. Listen to what this gentleman said. Once you have trained yourself well, your body and your limbs will move automatically, without any conscious effort. What, What would we call that in the Christian world? If your body's moving by itself without you having to tell it to move. That's possession. I mean, that's possession. If your hand does this and you didn't do it, either you've got a nervous problem or there's something moving your hand. That's not a good thing. He says your mind will not be overwhelmed by your physical movements. This is what you want to achieve as a master. I can remember my grandmaster telling me one time, he said I was working, he worked when he was young at a a huge factory, it's called Kodak Eastman. And he said, there were some guys there that they hated me, they didn't like me, because he was proud. And he said they knew about his involvement in the martial arts, and he said one night I was walking through the plant, there's no lights on, and he said one of the guys back about, 25 feet 50 feet away stepped out from behind a machine with a wrench and Threw it at him as hard as he could and he said I was walking I didn't even mean to I reached up and grabbed the wrench and threw it down on the ground and kept right on walking He said my hand did it and I never knew the wrench was coming And he said those men never even spoke to him again. It scared them so bad now This is what pride says. Oh, wow, wouldn't that be cool? I always ask young guys, especially younger guys, and that means you're younger than 45 or 47. (laughs) If martial arts is about self-defense, what's the easiest way to defend yourself from a fight? Run! (laughs) It costs no money to train, You can do it every day. There's no occult. And you're run! (laughs) Practice running. Do you know why people won't run? Pride. Pride. A a young man, even an old man, is like, I can't run. I'm not going to run. You know what? Jesus didn't run. Jesus didn't run. He said, you're not taking my life. He said, I'm laying it down. You have some guy comes up and wants to beat you and you look at him and you say, John, I'm not sure why you're mad at me, if I can tell you're angry. um, Can I just let you hit me? Can I take you out and buy you some lunch? You don't know. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Maybe his dad abuses him at home. Maybe his dad's a drunk. Maybe he's being beat on by other people. Maybe there's issues, maybe his mother's dying of cancer and he's so bitter he doesn't know how to vent that frustration. If you'll allow Christ to live in you, he will show you through the facade. And you will be able to see what is really going on inside of that person and win their heart instead of winning a fight. You will employ techniques unconsciously without having to think. Once you have achieved this state, not a single doubt or hesitation will arise. Train yourself thoroughly and then forget about it. Throw away your mind. You will then follow the way, which is what they call karate, without being aware of it this is the mystery of bushido its possession these are only i'm only able to show you guys just a very limited amount i know we're going to have to cut this short today if you can come by and see us at our at our booth cuz i think it's number 505 little light studios we don't care about selling things to you, but we can talk to you. We have a lot of free information online. We've got stuff on our website. There's so much I want to share and I've got to I've got to condense, so you have to forgive me. Listen to what this tenth dawn said. Karate is not something that one does, it is something that one becomes. And through the and though the external mask of training, might be readily seen in the lighted arena, the essence of karate do is ever the veiled presence of being. Now I want you to think about something. That's, that's heavy duty right there. When I read that, I was like, oh, wow. I mean, even if you're in the martial arts, you read that and you go, oh, wow. What is he talking about? The veiled presence of being. Do you know that we are told that when Christ came to this world, he veiled his deity with humanity? Do you know what the Bible says you and I are to do? We are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and not make provision for the failures of the flesh. That means don't buy an insurance policy just in case you fail. We are to cover ourselves, to cloak ourselves in Christ. And Christ says, I will come and be in you. They're saying the same thing, only it won't be Jesus Christ. So what is this spiritual element and this veiled presence of being which the masters are striving in their training to obtain? Gichen Funakushi answered this question. Listen to what he said. You may train for a long time, but if you merely move your hands and feet and jump up and down like a puppet, learning karate is not very different from learning a dance. You will never have reached the heart of the matter. You will have failed to grasp the quintessence of karate dough. And I I looked at that word, I thought, quintessence, that's a a heavy-duty word. That's not one that you see every day. This is the definition, according to Webster's. Quintessence is the fifth and highest element in the ancient and medieval philosophy that is said to permeate all nature. And it is the substance composing all celestial bodies. Now let me ask you a question. Celestial bodies is talking about what? Planets. Stars, right? What did the pagans all worship? Do you think they really believed that the sun or the moon or or Saturn had power? No. They knew that that star or planet is only a symbol that represents a fallen angel, a demon, or a god. In physics, it is a hypothetical form of dark energy. I found an article from Scientific America and it's got a picture of this man, and they're talking about the dark energy that science has discovered. It's not dark energy, it's demons. It is a hypothetical form of dark energy, it is the fifth fundamental force the fifth element. By the ancient Greeks, it was this force which was thought to fill the universe and hold all things together. What does that sound like? That's pantheism. Now, let me show it to you in Hollywood. My ally is the force. Life breeds it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us luminous beings we are, not this crude matter. There's a statement that's being used by Christian circles now where they'll say that we are not human beings having a spiritual experience, but we are spirits having a human experience. Do you know who said that? Teilhard de Shadar Or Chardin? How have you pronounce that? He's a Jesuit. And he's writing Eastern mysticism. You must feel the force around you, between you and me, the tree, the rock. That's Star Wars. Why do you think the devil is using Hollywood? He's teaching adults as well as young people to believe his lies. This man just passed away not too long ago. His name was Earl Montague. He was a renowned master in the internal arts from Australia. Listen to what he said. Some call this the power of God. Others call it universal power. And many a genius has talked about the elusive other 90% of the brain that we never use. But it is my belief and experience. He had over 40 years of experience. It is my belief and experience that the power comes from other sources, not from God, not some universal power or from the 90% of the brain that they say we don't use. It comes from other sources from around the body, but very close to the body, and attached to it. In traditional Chinese medicine, this is called Shin, or spirit. And it is this power that we are able to tap into. To change our physical circumstances, to stop others from attacking us, to cause others to do what you wish them to do, just as long as it is positive and good. Who decides what's positive and good? He does, in his circumstances. That's what somebody would call white witchcraft. We don't harm anybody. We use it for good. But isn't it funny that the white witch from the east and the wicked witch from the west, they both relied on the same power. Isn't it funny in Star Wars that you have the Jedi and you have the Sith, and they both use the same power? One uses it for evil, one uses it for good. The Holy Spirit does not work that way. The forces of darkness will unite with human agents who have given themselves into the control of Satan through yielding to satanic influences. Men and women will be transformed into fiends. Look that word up in a dictionary. It's scary. Those who were created in the image of God, who were formed to honor and create, glorify their creator, will become the habitation of demons. Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils the hold of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Now, how much time do we have left? 20 minutes? Are you guys telling the truth? I see y'all are smiling at me. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. 20 minutes. I'm going to just tell you quickly here, what if you've made your bed? Does God tell you to lie in it? What if, you remember what Romans 6 says? It says, whoever you've yielded yourself to as servants to obey, that's whose slaves you are. So does God look at you and say, I'm sorry, Eric, you did that, you sold yourself, there's nothing I can do. And He walks away. Right? Let me tell you what God's Word says. Hosea chapter 13, write these promises down. God says, O Israel... Thou hast destroyed yourself, but in me is thine help. I will be your king, for where is any other that may save you in all of your cities? In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 24 and 25, God says, Shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or shall the lawful captive be delivered? Thus saith the Lord, Even the captives of the mighty shall be delivered and the prey of the terrible shall be taken away. For I will contend with him that's contending with you and I will save your children. And I want to tell you a promise. If you've got children that have wandered away from God, you can't force them to come back. But you can claim that promise. Because God doesn't have any fine print underneath that. He says, I will. I will save your children. And let me share something with you. I was in Sabbath school class. My wife and I one Sabbath. And we were talking about the promises of God. And a, a person raised her hand because we were talking about promises that parents could claim. And... They raised their hand and they said, I've got a good one. Train up a child in the way they should go and when they are old they won't depart from it. And then one of the other people in there, you could see it in their eyes, they raised their hand. They said, what if I didn't raise them right? You know, it's like, does, does God not? is there no bread left? Does He have no mercy left? What if I didn't raise them right? Let me tell you what John chapter 1 says. We are begotten again not by the will of flesh, nor by the will of man, nor by the will of blood, but by the will of Almighty God. He said, I will save your children. Study the scriptures know that the only thing in which you can safely glory is that which will open to you the gates of the city of God. The only thing that I can take glory in. There's only one. Learn from the Word of God how to form characters fitted for the country you are seeking. And I think, okay, I've got to shape myself. Wait a minute, the Bible says that I'm the clay and he's the potter. Have you ever seen clay shaping itself? That doesn't work. You have to yield. Sometimes that clay has gotten so hard that God has to break it up. Sometimes He has to pour water on it, rain, in order to make the clay soft and pliable again. Sometimes He has to take a heart of stone and He has to break the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh so that that law can be written in there. I have people all the time that will tell me, God wrote His Ten Commandments in stone because it stands forever. I was like, it didn't stand 40 days. He wrote it in stone and 40 days later Moses broke it. He wrote it in stone, and it tells us why in Zechariah. It says he wrote it in stone because our hearts were like an adamant stone. He said, but I'm making a promise to you through Jesus Christ. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will write my law in your heart, not with ink or with, with a chisel, but I'll write it there with my spirit. Know that Christ is to be set forth among you. That means within you. And that all that was lost in Adam, the cross of Christ, fully restores to every believing soul. Everything that was lost in Adam is yours if you will take it by faith. Man, I, I would like to tell y'all what I want to talk about Sabbath, but i got to wait. And I'm not trying to drag this out, but wow! We have no idea yet what God is about to do here. Henceforward. Let me tell you something. When I was growing up as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, I knew about Sister White. I knew about all the warnings about the coming judgments, and I knew about the the time of trouble, and I knew about the mark of the beast, and those are important. But I wish somebody had read these to me. Because at 14 years old, when I was struggling in public school, I needed to know this. Henceforward, Christ followers are to look upon Satan as a conquered foe. Upon the cross, Jesus was to gain the victory for them. And that victory, He desires us to accept as our own. Behold, He says, I give unto you. When you read those verses in the Bible, when you read the promises from Ella White, put your name in there. I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any, any means hurt you. I want to share something with you. Do you remember that story in the book of Acts where the apostle Paul was shipwrecked? Do you all remember that? So he gets shipwrecked. He's on his way to Rome, and the devil throws a wrench in the machine. And Paul doesn't get mad and go, what am I going to do? I'm going to be late for Rome. Paul was like, okay, um, God's obviously got a reason He wanted me to stop here. All things work together for good. So he starts preaching to the natives and it's raining and they build a big fire and he's there and he's telling them about the power of the true and living God and Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, Satan is like, there's no way he did this. I can't believe this. And there's a viper that's been coiled up inside one of those logs. And Paul's there, and the fire's getting warm, and that viper's like, this is not comfortable. And it comes out of that log, and it latches onto Paul's arm. And it's deadly. It's deadly. Seconds, and you're dead. And Paul goes, throws it in the fire, and keeps on preaching. I used to think, well, that was just a random miracle. No, it wasn't. He believed what Jesus promised. And he acted on it. Do you know one night I was at the house, and I I was struggling with some health issues. Still have a couple, but my faith is getting stronger. God has already done it. He's just waiting for me to take hold of it. But I was struggling with some health issues, I had gotten mercury poisoning from some of the fillings in my teeth, and that's bad, I mean it was affecting my mind and everything, and I was making a smoothie, put all this healthy food in it, and I blend everything up, and I get the smoothie out and I'm drinking it, my wife's there talking and the children are upstairs playing or something. And I'm drinking this smoothie and I get about halfway through it. I go over and start cleaning the blender and I pick the blender up and I look in the bottom on the inside of the blender and something inside the blender had broken. And all that black plastic, which is petroleum, is blended up in the bottom of my smoothie. And I looked at my glass and I thought, I've already drank half of it. And the devil hit me. I mean, in a moment, it's like he came in like a flood. You've already got all these other problems. Why would God let this happen? What are you going to do now, Eric? I don't think that charcoal is going to get rid of this. <laughs> and you, I mean, you understand? And I know that I wasn't thinking clearly, but I, I really, uh, I freaked out. And you know what? I could not, I was like over my, I was falling. I was under the water, and I couldn't even get back to get a a breath of fresh air. And you know what my wife said? I praise God for this, because when I'm weak, God, God will bless her with strength. And when she's weak and having a bad day, he'll bless me with strength. And you can do the same thing with your friends. My wife looked at me and she said, Eric, do you know that God's word said nothing by any means shall hurt you? And in Mark chapter 16, it said, if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. This is a deadly thing. It won't harm you. And I was like, how do you know? She said, because God promised. I said, yeah, but I'm drinking it. She said, but it doesn't matter. God promised. And I was like, that doesn't make sense, but yet it does. So the next day, she said, just Eric. I'm going to pray for you. I'm praying with you. She prayed for me. She claimed that promise. She said everything's going to be okay. She said, if it'll make you feel better tomorrow, call Uchi Pines and just see what they say. So I called Uchi Pines, you know, one of our health institutes, and I told her what happened. I said, what do I do? She said, Eric, she said, take a little bit of charcoal. She said, it'll be out of your system. No damage in a couple of days. And I was like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Believe what He's promised. It's that simple. And let me tell you something. Believing means walk. Faith does not mean I believe it. It means I walk. Faith in Hebrew is an action word. You do faith. You don't think or feel faith. You do it. Moses got to the Red Sea. He's got a million and a half Israelites. You've got probably thousands of the Egyptian army with tanks, chariots, and they're going to mow you down. And Israel's angry and they're mad. And they're like, why did you bring us out here to die? And Moses is like, okay, I'm going to go up by myself somewhere because I need to talk to God and I don't want Israel hearing me talk to God. And he goes out by himself and he's like, what am I supposed to do? Do you know what God said? And I had to look this up because I heard Pastor David Gates say it and I was like, i got to look and see if that really says that. And I looked it up in the Bible and I looked it up in Ellen White's writings and it really says it. Moses is yelling at God, what do I do? And you know what God said? Stop crying unto me and go forward. And the minute his foot hit the water, the water parted. Hallelujah! That's the God we serve. The omnipotent power of the Holy Spirit is the defense of every humble and dependent soul. Not one that in penitence and faith has claimed His protection will Christ permit to pass under the enemy's power. Not one Not one. The Savior is by the side of every tempted and tried person. With Him, there can be no such thing as failure, loss, impossibility, or defeat. We can do all things through Him which strengthens us. When the soul surrenders itself to Christ... A new power takes possession of the new heart. And a change is wrought within the man which he can never accomplish for himself. It is a supernatural work bringing a supernatural element into human nature. The soul that is yielded to Christ becomes his own fortress which he holds in a revolted world, and he intends that no authority shall be known in you but his own. A soul thus kept in possession by the heavenly agencies is impregnable to the assaults of Satan. Unless we do yield ourselves to the control of Christ, We shall be dominated by the wicked one. We must inevitably be under the control of the one or the other of the two great powers that are contending for the supremacy of this world. It is not necessary for us deliberately to choose the service of the kingdom of darkness in order to come under its dominion. We have only to neglect to ally ourselves with the kingdom of light. If we do not cooperate with the heavenly agencies, Satan will take possession of the heart and make it his abiding place. Now I want you to listen to this last statement. The only defense against evil is the indwelling of Christ in the heart through faith in his righteousness. Let me tell you something as we close. I struggled with that last statement for months. I was like, my only defense is the indwelling of Christ in my heart. I believe that. What does it mean, the indwelling of Christ in my heart, through faith in his righteousness? Let me explain something to you. The Bible has already said that Christ dwells in your heart today. If he dwells in you, his victory, his righteousness is yours today. When you take hold of that promise by faith, Satan will never gain an attack on you again. That's the fight that we are fighting. That's why God does not want us occupying our time with a fight of flesh. We've got a greater battle that is yet to be won. Not on our own behalf only, but on behalf of all those you know. You must know that all that is Christ's has already been given to you. I pray that that this will help each person that is here. Tomorrow, we're gonna be going through and really taking a, a closer look at yoga and Tai Chi, and then Sabbath, we will be having the grand finale, the mystery of God unveiled. I hope that everyone will be able to make it, and I ask most of all that you'll keep me in prayer as I get everything consolidated so that I can fit it into that short hour tomorrow morning and then on Sabbath afternoon. Let's close with prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for that work which you have already wrought for us in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, help us to believe your promises. It's not our faith. Our faith is weak. But your faith, Lord Jesus Christ, is invincible. Give us your faith. We ask You and we thank You. In Jesus' name, we surrender all to Thee. Amen. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.